When you don't know what to do, what do you do? When you don't know where to go, where do you go? When life hits rock bottom and you're not sure where to turn next and things are feeling and looking hopeless for you, what is the next step you should take? Those are the questions I want to talk with you about this morning as we continue in our sermon series on the book of Jonah. And I know for some of you, for some of us, these questions are kind of maybe more theoretical. Maybe you've had uh, a pretty good life so far and you haven't had to face great sickness, pain, suffering, and death, and estrangement in your relationships. Maybe that's some of you. Maybe others of you, you're here this morning because like we just sang, you are feeling desperation. You need God now. You feel like you're at one of those rock bottom moments in your life. Maybe, maybe you, you feel like your life is spiraling downwards. Maybe you feel like you're coming up for air. Finally, wherever you are this morning, these are the questions I want to talk with you about together. Because the fact is, is that life is full of ups and life is full of downs. And I want you to be prepared when those times come, when you find yourself perhaps feeling discouraged, hopeless, like your life is really kind of at rock bottom. And some of you may have heard in the news uh, this past summer, there was a guy named Michael Picard. He, he found himself in this situation, life kind of at rock bottom, feeling hopeless. He's a lobster diver, so he was diving for lobster off Cape Cod. And he, he was doing something he'd done for 40 years, and he was down in the water when all of a sudden he felt a bump Things went black, and he wasn't quite sure what happened. But he felt around, and he realized it wasn't a shark attack like he thought. This is no joke, y'all. He was in the mouth of a whale. This guy was in the mouth of a whale, and he said when he was there in the water, in the mouth of the whale, he, he felt hopeless. He thought, you know what? This is how... I'm going to die. He, he thought about his wife. He thought about his kids. And he thought, this is it. Now, I don't think there's anybody in our lifetime probably who can relate to Jonah more than this guy, right? I mean, I don't think there's anybody who can relate to Jonah more than this guy because he found himself at the bottom, at the bottom of, of the, the sea there. He found himself in darkness, feeling hopeless, thinking, you know what? This is it. And that's exactly where Jonah is in Jonah chapter 2. He's experiencing life at the bottom. And now if you weren't with us last week, we, we kicked off this series looking at Jonah chapter 1. Each week we're, we're doing a different chapter. And, and at the beginning of Jonah's story, I'll catch you up really briefly. He is, uh, uh, Jonah's a prophet of God and he was given a message by God to go to a city, a, a city that was kind of their, his greatest enemies, the, the city of Nineveh, and to proclaim God's judgment and God's mercy to them. And he didn't want anything to do with it. He thought he knew what was best for his life better than God, his creator, and so he ran and he went and he got on a ship and it eventually, through a turn of events, he was thrown overboard off the ship. And last week we ended with this verse, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. Michael Picard, he was in the mouth of the fish for one minute. And now... Of course, his story is viral. 
one minute, Jonah, three days. Three days and three nights. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if he was going to be there three days, four days, if he was going to starve to death there. He, he didn't know what was going on. But when he was in the belly of the fish, he was at the bottom. He was at the bottom feeling hopeless, like there was no future for him. He was feeling like this was it. And now last week we, we talked about how in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is kind of a model of what not to do, okay? Don't, when you hear from God, flee from God and do the exact opposite of what God says. We, we said, you know what, that's not a good idea, not a good plan for life. But this week in Jonah chapter 2, I actually think Jonah is a little bit of a model of what to do. Of what to do when you find yourself experiencing life at the bottom. Jonah was at the bottom physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And I think if we look at what he does when he finds himself in this moment, it's going to give us some wisdom for what I think God wants us to do when we're in those low moments as well. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be Jonah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And one of the first things we see, I think, that we should do, which, which Jonah does, is this. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. That's it. Very simple. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And so in one of the lowest moments, perhaps the lowest moment of his life, what does Jonah do? He prays. He prays, and now I tend to think, and I'm reading into the text here a little bit, so I'll just let you know that, but I tend to think Jonah, I don't think he prayed on day one. I don't think he prayed on day two. I think it was probably day three before he prayed, and I, and I think that because I know myself, I know many of you, I, I know a little bit about human nature, and, and here's what I know about myself oftentimes. Oftentimes, I try to do everything I know how to do first. I try all my own solutions I try to figure it out on my own, and then if I can't figure it out and I don't know what to do, then I reach out to God in prayer. And, and Jonah, we, we see, I also think he probably didn't reach out on day one because right before he's thrown overboard, what do the sailors do? The sailors say, hey, will you pray to the Lord your God? And what does he do? He says, no, I'm not doing that. And so I tend to think he's thrown overboard and he's still kind of obstinate thinking, I'm not going to pray. He's probably punching and kicking and like trying to get out of this fish. I mean, I don't even know what you would do, right? But he's probably trying everything he knows how to do. He's trying all of his own solutions. But after days in solitude and in isolation, when he's come to the end of himself and his own solutions, what does Jonah do? He finally reaches out to God in prayer. And I think this is exactly what God wants us to do when we're in our low moments in life. And I've, I've preached many times here, and I believe this is true, that prayer should be our first priority, not our last resort. And so if you find yourself, if you're in a good place in life right now, don't wait until life hits the bottom before you start praying. But let me say this this morning. If, if you're at the bottom or you're on your way to the bottom and you feel like you've been avoiding God, you've been running from God, you've been hiding from God, it is never too late to start praying and to turn to God. It's never too late. He is always there waiting for you. His ear is inclined towards you. He wants to hear from you. So reach out in prayer. 
Some scholars say this, that Jonah chapter 1, if you think about the story of the prodigal son, Jonah in chapter 1 is like the prodigal son. He's running from home. He's running from God who's given him this mission. But in Jonah chapter 2, we can think about him now finally coming to his senses, as Jesus tells us the son does. He comes to his senses, and now he is returning home. And if you remember that story, and Wayne Memler, he preached a great message on it on Father's Day. Do you remember what the father does when he sees the son a long way off? Do you remember what the father does? He runs. He runs to the son. He doesn't, he doesn't scold the son. He doesn't say, where have you been? He doesn't say, you know what? You didn't want to talk to me for so long. Now I'm going to cross my arms and I'm not going to talk to you. He doesn't, he doesn't do any of that petty stuff. The father runs to his son and he embraces his son and meets him where he is. And what I want to say to you this morning is that's how our heavenly father is for us. When we come to him in prayer, he is ready and he is willing to meet us. And he wants to hear from us his children, no matter how long it's been and no matter how far we've run from him. We need to reach out in prayer. And that's what Jonah's doing, chapter two, verse one. And then we, we, we see this, Jonah chapter two, beginning in verse two. The, the rest of the chapter is largely Jonah's prayer. And so here's what, here's what Jonah prays. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good, and he closes his prayer with this. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now there are a lot of interesting things going on in this prayer that, that Jonah offers up finally from the belly of the fish. One is that, that it's a prayer, if you noticed, of thanksgiving in the midst of this trial and this difficult situation. It's not a prayer of lament where, where he's expressing feeling hopeless or anything like that. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. Another thing is, He's kind of thanking God in advance for deliverance. He, he's still here, but, but he's praising God and he's thanking God in advance for what God is going to do. But to me, what, what's a little more interesting, when I was studying it this week, I noticed this, is how really unoriginal this prayer is. Because I was reading it this week and I was thinking, you know what, it feels like, I, it feels like some of these phrases, some of these words, some of these promises that Jonah's talking about, it feels like I've heard them before, and so, of course, you know, get out the Bible, you start doing the cross-references and, and looking at different things. And, and sure enough, what I discovered is that in Jonah's prayer, if you compare it with a lot of the different psalms, we see that here Jonah is drawing upon the psalms and the promises of God there. 
the prayers people are praying there, the phrases they are using. And so when Jonah is at one of his lowest moments, he not only reaches out to God, but he also remembers the word of God and the word of God shapes his prayers. And this is something I think God wants us to do as well. When we find ourselves at rock bottom, when we find ourselves in these low and these difficult places, I think we also need to remember the word of God. Because when he was feeling hopeless, when he felt like there was no way, he remembered God's word and God's promises and it gave him strength. It gave him hope. It made him feel like, you know what? There is a future for me. And it's that way with us. You see, Jonah remembered this. He remembered how the psalmist cried, in my distress, I called to the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. He remembered how the psalmist cried, your waves have swept over me and yet I will praise you, my Lord and my God. And how the psalmist said, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah would have been familiar with the prayer book, the songs of Israel that they had sung for generations. And at the bottom, as Jonah was seeking to flee from God, I'm sure on about that third day, Psalm 139 was rolling through his head. Some of you know this one where the psalmist says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. See, Jonah had the word of God written on his heart. And so when these tough times came, he was able to draw upon it. Remember who God was and what God was going to do for him. And look, he, he, didn't have, he didn't have a little scroll in there with him, okay? It was dark. He didn't have a scroll. He didn't have a little pocket Bible or an app or a flashlight or anything like that. He had it written on his heart. And when it, when it comes to us, I want to I say this this morning that, you know, I don't know how many of you memorized scripture growing up in church. Anybody do that? You know, at vacation Bible school and give you a piece of candy. Remember what you used to do for a gummy worm or a sucker? Your kids ain't doing that anymore, I guarantee. They're like, it's not worth it. But you remember, I mean, we used to memorize scripture and do that as, as, as kids. And then a lot of times it's kind of treated as a kid's activity. Okay, they have a memory verse. But what I want to encourage you to do, what I want to challenge you to do is to remember the word of God and to write it on your heart. And to do it, not, not just in the bad times, but go ahead and do it now. Because after walking with many people through many difficult times, I can tell you this, when you're feeling at your lowest a lot of times you don't feel like doing a devotional. When you're feeling down and out and hopeless, a lot of times you're not gonna feel super motivated to go and memorize scriptures. So you need to do it ahead of time so that when those times come, you can draw upon that deep well and remember who God is and what God has promised to do for you. I mean, this has been my experience. There, there's been times where, where I've done things and I've thought, you know what, God, he couldn't love me anymore. He, he can't forgive that. I, I've done that 10 times. He doesn't keep forgiving. That's not how God works. He must be disappointed. He's, 
He's done. And then I remember a verse I memorized as a student many years ago. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He will cleanse us of our sin and he will purify us of all unrighteousness. And so when, when I'm thinking, you know what? God couldn't do that. God doesn't love me. God couldn't forgive me. I remember the truth of God's word and it helps me experience his grace and his love and his forgiveness. There's been other times where I'm going through situations and I feel like, you know what? I'm all alone. Nobody, nobody can relate to this. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Feeling kind of maybe abandoned. Then I remember Matthew 28 where Jesus says this, Behold, I am with you always, even unto the very end of the age. And I'm reminded I never walk alone. We never walk alone. Even though Jonah, I'm sure, felt abandoned in the belly of the whale for a time, eventually as he remembered the word of God, he, he remembered he was not alone. God was there with him, even in the depths of the seas. Remember God's word. It'll help sustain you in the difficult times. And I was reminded of this once again. I'm, I'm listening to an audio book right now. It's called The Only Plane in the Sky. And it is firsthand accounts of September 11th. Air traffic controllers, people at the Pentagon, people on the airplanes, people in the towers. It, it is all sorts of people giving firsthand accounts of the events surrounding that day. And one of the stories that's mentioned in the book and, and that I've been reading about lately is a story of a man named Todd Beamer. You may be familiar with him. He was one of the people on flight United 93. And so he was there on the flight and there, you know, they learned, of course, that there were terrorists who had taken over their airplane as well. And, and because their plane was later than the others, it was delayed in taking off by about an hour. And so people began getting, getting phone calls and text messages as the plane was going lower. And they began using the air phones and they learned that two planes had already hit the World Trade Center. And so they put it all together and realized that their plane was next. Their plane was part of this horrific plan of evil. And so Todd, he used a little air phone and he talked to a woman at United and he was telling her about what was going on and what they were seeing and what was happening around them. Do you know what they, they did towards the end of the phone call? They remembered God's word together. And Todd and this woman, and then they invited all the other people on board. They said, hey, you know what? Let's remember the prayer of Jesus together. And they began praying the Lord's prayer together. And then Todd and this woman, they invited other people to join in. They remembered the Psalm of David, Psalm 23. And they said, let's pray that together. And people around them began praying it together. And then we have some of his final recorded words. He said, if I don't make it, please call my family and let them know how much I love them. And then he said, are you ready? Okay, let's roll. Some of you know the rest of the story. As they drew upon 
God's word and they reached out to God in prayer, this group of people, they were strengthened. And they ended up sacrificing their lives so that other people's lives would be spared. And they helped take down the plane in a field in Pennsylvania. Doing something none of us would ever hope to have to do. They found themselves in a terrible situation none of us would ever want to find ourselves in. And when they were there, they reached out to God in prayer. They remembered God's word and it gave them strength to lay down their lives for the sake of other people. And I think when we are in difficult moments, that's what God wants us to do. That's what we see Jonah doing here. And then there's a third and final thing Jonah does. And that is repent. Jonah repents. And I think this is something we need to do, not just in our, in our low moments, and not just in our high moments, but really every single day we are called to repent. And repent is a word in the, in the scriptures, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it basically means this. It means to, to turn or to return. And so what repentance is, it's, it's turning away from sin and evil and it's turning or returning to God. And we're gonna talk more about this next week in Jonah chapter three because it's a, it's a, it's a chapter full of, of repentance. But, but repentance is really in Jesus's first sermon, this is his very first call to action in a sermon. In Mark chapter one, Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. That is, turn yourselves back to God and believe the good news. Martin Luther, the great leader in the Protestant Reformation, once said this, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. That is, our lives are, are to be continually turning back to him because left to our own devices, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stray. We're going to go our own way. We're going to think we know what's best. And so over and over again, we need to repent. We need to return to God. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. I'm not, I'm not saying here that if you find yourself in a terrible place in life and, and you found yourself down and discouraged and at rock bottom, that you know what, it's because of some secret sin in your life. And if you just repent, then all of a sudden everything's going to instantly get better. Sometimes, we find ourselves in difficult spots in life because of our own sin and the consequences of our decisions. Other times we find ourselves in terrible places because of the consequences of other people's decisions. And sometimes it's just because of the brokenness of the world. But what I want you to know is that, that whether things are good, whether things are bad, there is never a bad time to repent, to return to God and to rely on him and to rest in his grace. There's never a bad time to do that. And that's what Jonah's doing here. He has come to the end of himself. He, he said, you know what? I can't fix it. I can't get out of here on my own. I've messed up. I, I, I can't save myself. Salvation comes from the Lord alone. He realized that, that worthless idols only satisfy for a short time. And so he repents. He returns to God. And at the end of Jonah chapter 2, we see how God responds. And he responds with grace. And it might not seem like grace, Jonah chapter 2 verse 10, but here's what we read. 
After Jonah's prayer, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It might not be good news to you, but that was good news to Jonah. Being vomited up by a fish on dry land and discovering that he had another day in life. He had another chance to fulfill God's mission that he had given to him. And when we repent, when we return to God, God is there ready to forgive us, ready to embrace us, ready to meet us and pour out his power and his presence upon us. And so repentance is always a good thing. I once heard someone say this, that sometimes God delivers us from our difficult situations and sometimes God delivers us in the midst of our difficult situations. And in Jonah's story here, we see both. We see God ultimately delivering him from the belly of this fish as he's as he spit upon dry land. He's out of his terrible situation and circumstances. But we also see in his prayer that even before he finds himself on dry land, he experiences a kind of deliverance. He's delivered in the midst of his terrible situation because he realizes, you know what? Even at the depths of the sea, he has communion. He has a relationship with God. Even in his difficult times. And so this morning, I don't, know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you feel like you're at the bottom right now. If someone you love's at the bottom, if you're on your way to the bottom, or if you're, you're, you're coming up for air. I, I don't know where you are, but, but here's the thing. I think if we live like Jonah, if we reach out to God in prayer, if we remember God's word, and if we repent, God will meet us. James chapter four, verse eight says this, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And that's what we see Jonah doing. And so this morning, as, as we close, the band is gonna come up and they're gonna play our closing song. And, and I don't want the story of Jonah to just be some theoretical stuff that's, that's for, for the past. I, I want it to be something we act on now. So I wanna put up the slide with the, the three actions here on it. And what I wanna encourage you today is to look at this list and to ask yourself, which one of these do you need to do today? Tomorrow, this week. Maybe, maybe for you, you, you've kind of been putting God on the back burner and maybe you come to worship and you do a lot of stuff for God, but you don't actually spend time with God or talk to God. Maybe, maybe for you this morning, it's the call to you is to reach out to God in prayer. Maybe... You need to remember the Word of God. Maybe you need to read the Word of God this week. Find a, a Bible study plan. Find some verses and commit those to memory. Write them on your heart so that you can prepare for the tough times. Or if you're in the tough times, maybe you need to remember God's Word as a source of hope and strength and draw upon it. Or maybe, maybe in your life when we're talking about repentance you know that most of your life God is in charge and he has it but, but there's an area where you've yet to turn over to him or you've been trying to keep it for yourself maybe this morning you need to just turn back and say God I, I give you everything 
I give you all I have and I want all you have for me. And so this morning, during our, our song, if you want to stand and sing, you can do that. If you want to sit and pray in your seat, if you want to come forward and kneel here at the altar, however you feel God leading you to respond, I want to invite you to listen this morning and to take that next step. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that even when we've turned away from you and our backs are towards you, you are waiting right there and you're just inviting us to turn around and to return to you. So God, this morning, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. Pour out a spirit of hope in our world that seems so full of hopelessness. God, give us peace in the midst of such chaos around us. God, remind us that that even if there's not deliverance from our situation, we can have deliverance, we can have peace, we can have communion with you in the midst of our difficult situations. And God, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Help guide us to take the next step. Fill us with hope. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.